0: Hey there, my name is Dan.
1: My name is Joshua, and And we we are are the the Unauthorized Unauthorized Critics Critics Circle. Circle.
0: Now, Joshua, tell the listener what we do here at the UCC.
1: With pleasure. Here at the UCC, we review theater... With the normal
0: bitcheries and
1: qualms... By watching the video recordings... From questionable
0: origins...
1: Of various productions...
0: This week, we are talking about the Broadway revival of Annie Get Your Gun, specifically the performance from May 15th of 2001.
1: If you look long enough, you're not going to have to look too long. Uh, the whole video's out there. You can find it it's in It's not a... the
0: whole. There's a couple missing minutes. Oh, is there? Yeah.
1: Oh, well. Well, the most of it. There are also a whole bunch of clips out there of this company. It's, you know, you could piece together a pretty good idea if you can't find it yourself. We mention this because while we review the show itself, we also talk about the specific performance we've seen.
0: The internet is your friend, honey
1: child. Wow. So, without further ado, the curtain is now rising.
0: You know, I don't know how they got those guns in. You went through the security at the front of Hotel Theater. You can't. There's all kinds of megalometers, which I'm thankful for. Megalometers? Yeah, that's what they're called. Is that actually what they're called? Yes. You didn't probably. watch the January sixth hearings? We've oh, lost Jesus. a lot of audience right there. <laughs> no, we probably did we? didn't. Are, we probably oh, I was gonna God, say, no, I'm didn't. not
1: certain that we did. <laughs> Please enjoy our discussion about the Broadway revival of Annie Getcha Gun. There's
0: no biz like like audio biz. biz There's just no biz that I know Every single moment is elating. Every time we upload a new joint, I should go smoke a joint. Even
1: though at times it's frustrating when we're debating each fucking point. Fair. There's, There's no, no
0: podcast like, like our, podcast. our podcast. Though sometimes we're mistressed. Oh, Audio bitch, I knew you were biz, gonna... really? Time we're, we're coming, coming with, with our, our very best. Vest.
1: Though clinically you should be assessed
0: Didn't you lose head a bitch I
1: got depressed let's, let's just, just do the damn, damn show Let's
0: just, just do the damn, damn show
1: You can't have me have let me have anything God can you You didn't do that harmony in rehearsal I want a money note for once show. in my life, and you always have to come ahead and something with me. Okay, fucking Christine Dié, eh? fucking show There.
0: Me. You want me to go higher? No. Okay.
1: Hey, folks. Welcome back to the Unauthorized Critics Circle.
0: Well, I think by this point they know who we are. Otherwise, they've turned us off because that is an yeah, abrasive,
1: no, abrasive point, yeah. start. <laughs> that's fucking brave of us. Yeah, that is bravery personified. Yeah, uh, why?
0: Why'd you let me talk me? Why, why'd you talk me into this?
1: What? Why'd I talk you into doing the podcast?
0: No, that opening.
1: Cause I wanted to do it, and then I figured that if I surprised you with it, then you would just yell over the entire thing, and that's never fun.
0: Uh, Yes, it is for me, at least.
1: Yeah, but those two things generally don't align.
0: What things? What things?
1: Things that you find fun and things that are fun. Folks, Fuck we you. are coming at you today with a hot new piece of content. We're talking Any about fun you can everyone's... have, I
0: can have funner.
1: Christ, you want to talk to me about it? Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> they aren't all winners. Um, uh, we are talking about... The hottest show of the moment. The one that's on everyone's minds. The one that <laughs> everyone is, is speaking about these days. The name
0: little... on everybody's lips is gonna be Annie. Oakley. Oh, okay.
1: Oakley. Annie.
0: Annie.
1: Um, Annie. Folks, we're talking about Annie Get Your Gun.
0: Annie uh, Get Your Gun.
1: Starring Reba McIntyre.
0: Who'd Who'da thunk? Who'da thunk? Reba in a Broadway show. A Reba. A Reba.
1: I'm Reba. Have you seen that Saturday Night Live sketch with Keenan Thompson? Where I he have plays not. McIntyre. It is a fucking joy. Part of me wants to pause the episode for a bit so that we can all go watch that sketch. It makes me very happy.
0: Well, they can pause, but we have to keep going. Don't stop now. Keep going.
1: I'm gonna. Uh, Joshua, how did what did you know about Annie Get Your Gun? Sure, um, I watched Annie Get Your Gun on Turner Classic Movies. Ooh! At, at like seventeen years old or something.
0: Uh, mm. Betty was, Hutton.
1: Yeah, Betty Hutton herself. She's, uh, she's not
0: very beloved.
1: No, no, notably not Judy.
0: Not Judy. This is right. Why are we doing this show? This show wasn't Judy. This is over. Episode ended.
1: <laughs> um I watched the movie on Turner Classic Movies. There was a big time where I would just go on TV and try to find anything that was musical related. So, we all did that, fag.
0: Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> Sorry, I don't even know where that last word came from. Christ, the bully to become the bullies.
1: Um. um anyway, uh, I'm a straight man, folks. I'm a straight man. Uh.
0: Oh, sure. That was a convincing line reading.
1: <laughs> I watched. The, I watched the movie. I thought it was like fun. Uh, it was pretty. Weirded out by the whole I'm an engine 2 number, uh, as we all are, which has an unavoidable topic in this episode. Um, I thought the movie was fine. Uh, I added the cast recording to my Spotify. Which one? Promptly never... Uh, which the, one? The, the, the soundtrack. Which one? The soundtrack. The movie soundtrack. The movie?
0: With Betty Hutton?
1: Because that was what I'd seen. Fucking listen. I did not buy. I did not buy a cast recording of Gypsy until I found maybe you are straight recording. uh, What? Because that was the version I. What? No, straight up in like twenty eighteen or whatever. It was one of the first like five records I bought. I can't remember exactly what they were. I know Company was among them. Uh, But one of the first five records I ever bought was the film soundtrack for Gypsy because that was the version of the show that I'd seen and I was like, oh, that's what I know, so I'll get that one. Uh, Fucking anyway. Uh, but, all that being said, um, only one track from that cast recording stays to this day, and it's just my defenses are down, because the way the guy sings it makes me laugh a lot.
0: The guy? The, I don't remember his name. Howard something. Wow. You don't remember Howard Keel.
1: Howard Keel? I thought it might be Howard Keel. I just thought I was pulling that last name out of Our
0: mind. New Jersey... Our New Jersey Our New Jersey?
1: Base, I would beg
0: to differ. Our New Jersey listener base is absolutely oh. livid with you right now. What, is he mayor of New Jersey? No, but we're in a retirement home in New Jersey, and goddammit, they know Howard Keel.
1: <laughs> My defenses are
0: down. I like the way
1: he says, sings that a lot, so I enjoy it. My
0: defenses are down. Yeah, he is. <laughs>
1: Rinse dessert on It makes me laugh. Uh anyway. Uh I'd seen the movie, I like knew it from that. Watched
0: it once, never really thought about it again. Bada bing, bada boom. You So I had seen clips of the movie that should have been, and it was not completed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which was very traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um And then I had seen the actual movie, which Cost a million bucks and yeah, well it certainly cost a lot of money. Yeah, and I saw the TV. I don't know if you've seen the T. Have you seen the TV version? Not the. I've I mean, only seen the movie. Ethel did it on TV, but that's considered lost. Oh, before, that's cool. before Ethel did it on TV, Mary Martin and John Rate did it on TV. Oh, John that. Yeah, they released it on a Blu-ray. I mean, it's okay. a kinescope. It's a kinescope, so it doesn't look like it's a Blu-ray. But they released it on Blu-ray. I have it. Yeah, John Raitt. You want to see if John Raitt can act? The, uh, go watch that. Um, and Mary Martin is terrific in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, yeah, I, I had never actually seen the show. I'd seen the movie. I'd seen the TV adaptation. Had never seen the show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we thought we'd take this for a spin.
1: Kind of tying a little bit back to uh, that Mary Martin tidbit. While well, we're already here, might as well take it. Uh, might as well get out of our bodies. You oh, mentioned about her at and Janet Gaynor.
0: End...
1: Nope. Uh, you mentioned oh. at the end of the last episode uh, that this was a very highly deliberated thing. Why was that? What do you mean
0: highly deliberated?
1: Like we deliberated a lot about. Oh, what we were gonna
0: yeah oh we we deliberated what we were going to watch and we had covered bernadette peters patty lapone there's also a video of patty lapone doing the show we talked about that we talked about megan hilty at encores um but did we, we talk about like, i don't know that we talked about megan hilty at encores yes we did she was mentioned you dismissed it and said we would have yeah. a lot of other opportunities to talk about her, which that's that, that remains to be seen. But we, um, what we kind of really took time discussing was do we cover Mary Martin in Annie, Get Your Gun? Because when else are we going to cover Mary Martin? There's a tape of her that exists in South Pacific, but we've done South Pacific, and really what the question came down to is when are we doing Peter Pan and what are we doing for Peter Pan?
1: Mm hmm. And tell them. We're doing Mary Martin in Peter Pan.
0: Among uh, others.
1: Among, oh. Are you try? You're saying this on the podcast so that I can't back out of it. Yeah, we're doing Mary Martin among others in Peter Pan. <sighs> I get one. Okay, you get that one, I get one. I'll let you, you know mean what that you is. Get
0: one? I don't know what do you, mean you, do you get, get Peter Pan, I get one whenever it comes. I'll sit through all three Le Miz concerts, I don't care. You think I love Le Miz for some reason. Like I'm not a teen. I'm a full well, man now, I like big boy musicals. Thankfully you finally admitted that you're not young. I'm I I I am a mature palate. <laughs> yeah. Mature palate. Go eat with your Take restaurant sometime. Take
1: for an eye. Turn your heart into stone. This is all I have lived for.
0: So... We both knew relatively little.
1: Yeah. We'd seen it once or twice.
0: You know, uh, and I had I've, I've never seen the stage for it. I, I knew the- I had listened to a couple of different cast albums of it. Mm. I have it on vinyl like three or four different times, as one does. Um,
1: I hadn't. I watched it once, listened to a couple songs, put it away in a neat little box. Uh, and I opened that box back up again! Uh, and... I thought the show was nice.
0: You know, yeah. We were discussing, you know, what I wanted to do in nineteen forties isn't early Broadway, but at this point, considering it's now in the twenty twenties, and yeah, it eighty an years old show, classic enough, an old show to these kids is the Heather's. I mean, I I would say that. Annie Get Your Gun is a quote... I I would say pretty much anything before the 60s at this point we can say is of a different era, right? And I was trying to pick a show of a different era. We were discussing, discussing. We ended up on this show. Gotta be honest, I knew it was going to be worthy to talk about. I didn't know if I was going to like it. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't particularly liked... The movie or the TV version. Not because of the perform. Well, Betty Hutton's Betty Hutton. But I I thought the TV version specifically was performed extremely well. But the show doesn't feel the most modern. And there's some rather antiquated ideas. We'll get into that. I ended up having a really lovely time and I wasn't expecting that.
1: I get it. I... I, I had a fun time. I enjoyed it very much. I would say I had a great time with this show and production. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the show itself stands on its own merit, but I would get a ticket to the show for the production, I think.
0: Well, let's get into it. Um, let's do so. <clears throat> I think it's dated more than other musicals of its era
1: yes it has
0: you look at those rogers and hammerstein shows which are the easier referenced shows from that era that people would be familiar with the rogers and hammerstein shows have somehow aged a lot better than annie get your gun and part of that is the dealing with the native americans in the show part of that but um this show's this show is sexist. It, this show's sexist.
1: This show's pretty racist. And also, interestingly enough, I think one of the biggest reasons it feels so dated is because it sort of has a foot into a very specific cultural moment of history. You know? And of course, it's reflecting back on that history sort of the same way that, you know. I don't know, not to compare apples to oranges here, but the way Follies was a look at a style of performance that is no longer uh, extant. Uh Annie Get Your Gun is kind of looking at that with the traveling road shows. But,
0: but even Follies then, Follies still feels contemporary.
1: It does. It does. And I think well, I think that reason is because it has such an emphasis on character. Rather than the actual mechanics of the. Well, I think why is is because
0: Follies is about the mental anguish that these characters are going through. And And you get your gun isn't entertainment. It's about the
1: politics of 19th century show business.
0: I wouldn't even say it's about the politics of 19th century show business. I think it's trying to be an entertainment. There is a plot. It is actually rather heavily plotted for a show of this era and a lot of the sexism is baked in kind yeah. of like when you look at how everything operated and i can't fully speak to how this show was before the version we watched because the version we watched had a new to 1999 book by peter stone that updated things um Which is probably why I found the other ver I found this less sexist than I found the movie and the T V version. But still She gets her name on the poster outside in Act One and immediately pisses Frank off and he's kind of Frank is one of those normative people that think, you know, I've had it bad, so you should have it bad too. God forbid anyone live a better life than you lived and that things get better and society progresses. He's a very, very toxic, masculine white man. There's no way around it. That's just who the character is. Um, that's fine in and of itself. But the very next moment is he tells her he loves her and she forgives that he's insulted her yes it's moments like that that really start to add up she's in love so she excuses his first show of blatant sexism um all the men are fixing that contest at the end because well annie simply has to have a man because every woman has to have a man And it doesn't matter that this is, like, the most toxic masculine man ever. She's in love with him, and rather than, like, saying, hey, you can do better, we're going to fix this contest so that she loses to him and is demure to him, so then he'll want her. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, this production specifically, he throws the match at the end, which he does not always do. He used to No, no, like, in, 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 in the movie,
1: that's what I remembered. And it was a whole, like, the crux of the movie was then, you threw the match for me?
0: Yes, I did. Oh, well, I love you. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's very much, he can only love her after she's thrown the match and kind of given in to him.
1: After after she's made herself less than him. That's Mm -hmm. the problem throughout the entirety of Annie Get Your Gun. He cannot reconcile the fact that she is potentially as good, if not, better than he is.
0: His ego is too fragile, which is exactly it. Which is fine for a show but the way it's handled is it, it, it's of its era and there is covert sexism baked into the story and it's because it is baked into the story and because they're never fully dealing with the issue, although the issue is present, that it just feels not as fresh as some of the other shows.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Guys and Dolls is not um, completely kosher in modern day, but the women are intel- are just as intelligent as the men. So it's more easy to forgive, I want to say, or you don't notice it as much. And I mean, there's a very clear power differential. She can't even, she starts the show as a complete illiterate. Yeah. And here's this big Guy, I mean, we don't even know what her age is at the beginning. I thought she's, like, supposed to be very young. He's this older guy, and times do change. Times do change. All of this probably didn't even matter when the show opened. But the fact that the times have changed. Some things age better than other shows. This show hasn't aged the best.
1: Yep. Which, I don't know, what do you do?
0: I don't think we'll see it on Broadway again. I
1: can't... Yeah, I can't imagine. I think I Encores mean, was sort of that last burst, eh? It,
0: Encores did it in 2015. I could see yeah. Encores doing it again, and I would welcome Encores doing it again. I would... Yeah, I, sure. It's not if that we were should... were able
1: to... You banish
0: know. this show into obscurity forever, but...
1: I mean, I can support the argument of, like, a show that is of enough significance and of, of enough weight needs to be preserved and remembered as, like, a piece of musical theater history, warts and all, acknowledging mm. those warts, I am fine to let this one sink into the fog, kind of. Like, I don't need to think about any Get Your Guns so much. Like, we, I don't know. It's fun. It's great. I don't think we need to see it again. I'm fine. I'm fine with it, you know?
0: I'm fine pulling it up every so often. And Maybe, why you a... like,
1: I could see it, like, once every, like, 40, 50 years. Like, I don't think we need...
0: N- that's too... No, I don't,
1: I don't know. know. I, don't, I don't think we need to see it that much. Seriously.
0: Well, I don't know it's that fine. we are going to see it in a massive production, but it's worth bringing up every decade or so, at least in a concert production, so that people can see what it is, you know?
1: Maybe? I don't know. I th- I don't think it's one of the more
0: important pieces of the canon. The score is. And that's why it's going to get done. Well, sure. I mean, Berlin is Berlin. Yeah, but this isn't just Berlin is Berlin. This is Berlin doing excellent work. This is Berlin when he's not in a review. A lot of his works were done in review format. True. This is Berlin having to deal with the book show. True. That's worth seeing what he does, at least in some semblance. Uh, it, it has a new book, so you're not fully able to see what he's done, but you can get the overall sweeping hints. And it is a terrific score. I mean, it is... If the show has not aged well, the score is still one of the best scores of the era. And by a mile. By a mile, it's one of the best scores of the era.
1: Sure. Okay, I can I can give you that. I'd... Uh... Like, okay. Like, I'll, okay. I don't know. I don't feel very strongly about, you know, the the legacy of this musical, I guess.
0: Personally. Well, I don't feel strongly about it either. I don't think it's going to get a full probably revival, and that's not what I'm arguing. But no. I'm, we don't actually have any kind of video of the actual show as it was.
1: I guess, yeah. No commercial. Or even, fair
0: enough. Even as it was in this revival mm mm-hmm. revival revisal so for people to know what it was you have to put it on i don't mind it being put on in some capacity every 10 or so years i don't think it's going to be getting a full broadway revival i don't think it needs a full broadway revival but if you want to do it do it yeah
1: let's talk about what we think about this
0: uh
1: sure do you want to start with berlin why not?
0: Okay, music and lyrics by Irving Berlin. What's your history with Berlin? What's what's your history with Berlin? What is breathing air? You're talking about the man that wrote God Bless America. Oh. I <laughs> yeah. actually didn't know that. Yeah. You're talking about the man that wrote God Bless America. You're talking about the man that wrote White Christmas, Jewish. You're talking yeah. about the man that Did wrote... You- <laughs> You're talking about the man that wrote Easter Parade, Jewish. Fair. <laughs> Listen, we have to get money somehow. To live in culture is to know Irving Berlin. Yeah, true. Just day-to-day getting through life, you will have heard five Irving Berlin songs within a month without even realizing it.
1: The the door chime when you walk into grocery stores, little boom-boom, that's an Irving Berlin original. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might be, honestly. <laughs> 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 oh, God.
0: Did you have a history with Irving Berlin? He's just always been in the
1: air. Like, that's pretty much the same with me. You know, like, we've all sung Blue Skies with choirs, you know. We've all mm-hmm. had our recordings of putting on the Ritz that we listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, Cheek to Cheek, that's pretty much one of the most permeable songs in all of fucking history. I think this is like, you know, this This was the first time I saw Irving Berlin sort of in an entire narrative. You know? I'm not a, I'm, I'm a very bad movie watcher, so I was not up to date on all those things. Though I am seeing White Christmas Live this year. That's okay, that would be nice. At it- Shaw. Oh! Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> uh no, but he's I, I know him as like, you know, the jaunty tune guy. Uh, and from this you see oh it's it's not just that he's able to get a quick melody, he is a pretty active
0: wordsmith. He's an active wordsmith. And it's not that he He's a great melodist. He's a Absolutely. fantastic melodist. He's yeah. very inventive too, you think about his quadly Bays, Or I I think that's how you pronounce that, but um, old fashioned wedding. He's singing the one thing she's singing over him. Very inventive.
1: He um he has a really great way of making it sound like it's just flowing out of people, right? Both in melody mm-hmm. and in words. Mm-hmm. And when and when you're someone who's that verbally dexterous, um, that's a pretty hard thing to accomplish. And I can't put my finger on what it is exactly that makes it sound like it's so naturally flowing out of the character's mouths, but it really does feel like that so often.
0: Yeah, he does write for character terrifically here, and so much of his early work was not for character. I mean he wrote a lot of songs for Ziegfeld Follies. If I'm not mistaken, he wrote A Pretty Girl Is Like a Melody, which is the most famous Ziegfeld Follies song. Um, he wrote for the he owned the music box theatre. And he had the music box <laughs> review that ran for years. As thousands cheer was a very famous review, probably the most famous review that had Ethel Waters, and she sang "Supper Time." I should set the table, cause it's supper time, and it was an anti-lynching number. He writes terrifically for character, and so much of his work <laughs> were not book shows. True, what we would call book shows. I don't think you're getting much book out of Yip, Yip, Yap, Hank. (laughs) Wasn't
1: that written by Arthur Lawrence?
0: No, it was written (laughs) by Irving Berlin. (laughs)
1: Ah, great. (laughs) Irving Berlin, he really was just like a fucking cultivator, wasn't he?
0: Yeah. It just all
1: came out of him. That's, I can't tell if we're getting less or more auteurs like that because I feel like Either it is like, okay, three people did the score, five people did the book, six and a half on the lyrics, uh, either that, or it's like, this person did the music, lyrics, book, direction, production, stars as seven different characters, lighting, design, like, it's it's one or the other these days.
0: I don't even know if I would call him an auteur. I don't think he has speci- a... I was going to say a specific enough authorial voice, and I don't even know if that's fair, but he writes the moment that's going to land more than he has an agenda. When you say the word auteur, I think agenda.
1: Okay, fair enough. I guess I meant more like... Just more like the the all-encompassing artist, the singular genius, not literal genius, but like, you know, in the everything flows out of him and he master of all trades kind of thing. Mm. I am very impressed with the work here. Truly some gorgeous songs. These things are going right the fuck back on my Apple music. That's for sure. And well,
0: it's not, it's not just great songs. They're all hits. They are all hits. It's there's a couple songs you don't know, but more than that, anything you can do, I can do better. How many uh, commercials have you heard that have that in some form? Oh, that's not even Orange juice commercials, you know?
1: I mean, listen, they put there's no business like show business three times in the first act. It is not just...
0: The hit of all hits. Yeah. The hit of all hits.
1: It it, it even transcends a a hit. It is the theme song of musical theater. Like, that Mm -hmm. is... Like, if you were looking for a reason to produce the show, I would argue that that is it. Like, that is, like, that's the reason for that song. Like, it's...
0: Even more than that, is there a better love song? I got lost in his arms, and I had to say... How many times have you heard that song? A million times. It's a great song. It works. It works. The score works, and the score works great. Uh, You want to know... Mm. You want to know how eponymous the score is i'm just remembering this now
1: you want to know how you want to know why
0: go ahead (laughs) i'm just remembering it at this point but how much irving berlin and annie get your gun were in popular culture the last birthday that my grandmother had we were over at the nursing home and someone asked her well, you're, I think she was 89, you're 89, what have you learned? She sat there for a second, and immediately, folks are dumb where I come from, they ain't had any learning, but I'm happy as can be, doing what comes naturally. Pop mm-hmm. culture. She,
1: pop she's pop looking for the words pop to pop say.
0: She's looking for the words to say. She goes to Anna. Get your gun. Also, a show tune singing grandmother. Any wonder why I am the way that I am? <laughs> Answering a question with a show tune, as one is wont to do. Mm-hmm. And some people don't think people sing. It's not realistic when they launch into song. Anyway,
1: uh, I don't want to enable that conversation any further. Um <laughs>
0: Score? Good. Well, it's Good varied, score. too. I mean, you, you listen to something True. like Moonshine Lullaby, and it's very jazzy, actually. And I
1: can't tell if that's the song or the um... arrangement because we
0: got some fucking arrangements in this revival. Well, we'll talk about that for the production, but the arrangement yeah. was actually pretty traditional for that song.
1: Oh, yeah? Okay.
0: It was pretty traditional. I, I honestly couldn't song. tell. mm mm-hmm. um, You hear and it's the railroad, and you're hearing the railroad track in the actuals. But um, dum ba da da dum choo choo choo-choo. It's embedded in there, almost, you know? And she's singing a lullaby on the railroad. It It's jazzy where the score hasn't been jazzy before. There is... Especially with Reba there, there's some country-esque stylings that yeah. can be highlighted that are naturally there. It does a million different things. There's kind of an operetta leading man who has more classical-sounding songs. Yeah, good point. It's it's clear that the, its
1: place in like pop culture isn't just, like, you know it's catchy, it's whatever. It's... There's real heart in this, too, you know? It's not just a great surface-level strength thing. That uh, got got lost in his arms is one of the more emotionally devastating songs I've heard from the period, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, one of the more touching pre-'50s ballads I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and... It's, it's interesting to note how something so artful and so sort of nimble can also feel so simple and so pure. Because, you know, that dexterity is always evident, but there's something about how it feels like it's just a touch-straight-from-the-heart kind of number. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... You wouldn't think it would be possible to have both be true at the same time, and yet here we are. Um It's it's the mark of a craftsman, really. Mm-hmm. That's I think his strongest suit. The craft was so evident and so careful that the long life of the songs is sort of just a testimony to the
0: strength of the work. Well, and this was a show he turned down initially. <laughs> Is that so? It was supp- Originally, the show was supposed to be Dorothy Fields and Jerome Kern. Jerome Kern agreed oh. to do it, and he died three days later. Ah, uh, oh, poor guy. Uh-huh. And they had At least
1: f- he died a dignified and noble death. You,
0: you don't know what kind of... Tell me about Jerome Kern's death, since you said it was noble and dignified.
1: Didn't he, like, die on the street in a relapse or something?
0: That was Loren's heart. Oh, fuck. That, that wasn't even all, a composer! Really that wasn't <laughs> even a composer! That was a lyricist! <laughs> that got them all
1: confused. They all worked with the same incestuous pit.
0: No! Jerome Kern never worked with Lorenz Hart. Lorenz no, Hart worked with, with Richard Jerome Rogers. Kerr worked
1: with Hammerstein, and Rogers worked with Hart, and la
0: yeah, I'm sure you can play Six Steps to Bob Fosse" with anybody, okay? But
1: oh, easy, God. name me easy name me any chorus girl between the '60s and the '80s. I'll do.
0: I'll give you two steps. That's not six steps. It's <laughs> I'll give you two. Portably six <laughs> inches or more. <laughs> nice. I've heard more. Um. Anyway,
1: Irving Berlin. More. irving berlin but
0: he he turned this down because he thought he could not connect with these characters and oscar rogers and hammerstein produced this show i don't know if you know this rogers and hammerstein originally produced this show and they told him go away with the script for a couple days see if you come up with anything he came back with there's no business like show business They said, yeah, I think you got this. You're going to be in good hands.
1: All the best stories go that way. All the best stories. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just as... Uh, oh, God. Maury Yeston going home one night, coming back with Love Can't Happen. It's the mark of a, of a brilliant artist.
0: Mm-hmm. Another fun story from that original production. Please. Robert Russell Bennett was in a fight with Richard Rogers. Robert Russell Bennett did most of the Rogers and Hammerstein orchestrations. And he was in a fight with Richard Rogers, who was wont to get into fights. Um, And Richard Rogers said something along the lines of, I'll hire the next orchestrator who walks through that door. That person was Phil Lang, who went on to do a lot of terrific orchestrations for other shows. He did Annie. For example, he did Mac and Mabel. He did all kinds of terrific orchestrations. He did Mame. He did Hello Dolly. Like, established. But he was not established at the time. Uh He was kind of new. And Irving Berlin had a history of being dissatisfied with orchestrations. You know who else had a history of being dissatisfied with orchestrations? Tell me. Ethel Merman. Oh, yeah. And what happened is they got to the orchestra run through. They decided <laughs> they didn't like the orchestrations that happened. They called in a million different people. There are about nine different orchestrators who worked on the original production. And some of the big numbers went through five different complete sets of Of orchestrations before Irving Berlin and Ethel Merman were both happy. Wow. Yeah. It was not smooth. It was a complete (sighs) patch job. And if you listen to that original cast album, you can kind of tell it's a complete patch job what happened then when ethel merman went to revise revive the show in the 60s they threw out all the orchestrations they got robert russell bennett to do a brand new set so that it wouldn't seem as much of a patchwork and that's why there's a second cast album from the 60s they're fixing how rushed and kind of chaotic those original orchestrations were yikes Uh uh-huh that's foul Nine different people. The big songs going through five or six different versions. When does that ever happen now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Quality just... passes? Who'd have thought? Move us along. Okay. Who wrote the book? This, Peter Stone has a revised book. Is there any merit to talking about it? anything from the original book here? That's well, still lost the, time.
0: the original book was by Dorothy Fields. Mm-hmm. And her brother, who was Max. named Max. Dorothy Fields and Max. I don't know that his name
1: is Max. I am just the first name that Fuck came to mind. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> you ate that shit up.
0: You uh, ate
1: that shit up.
0: Uh, Herbert. Okay. Not Herbert even close. Fields.
1: Dorothy it's and Herbert.
0: Dorothy Close. and Herbert Fields did the original book. It was You
1: fucking bought, Max!
0: <laughs> it was Dorothy Fields' idea to even do the musical in the first place and to find Ethel Merman to do the show. And what did you make of the book? We can only really talk about the Peter Stone revision because I don't even think anyone does the original book anymore. Um... I don't think oh, they probably Daniel. should. Oh, Daniel! I couldn't. I couldn't tell you how unsurprised I am. <laughs> yeah. <that>. I don't
1: <laughs> like. Even... Like uh, I've seen the movie. I've seen the movie. I yeah. Fucking it's... duh. Um, yeah. So that's a little <laughs> listen, insulting. Listen, the 1999 revision is not like a piece of progressive feminist theater. Like it is <laughs> not. You just want to think does it? A book. This book from 50 years earlier. It's not going to get better, you know? Like, it's just sort of, sort of got to make do. Uh, And you know what? That's kind of what this book is. I think it's probably, I don't think I'm going to outright definitively say that this is the best you can do with what you've got. But you know what? Okay. Like, I don't know how much I'm in a position to really even be saying that. But like, okay, at least we're doing this and not the original book um you can
0: fix Mm -hmm. i think you you can fix some of the most egregious things about the book you can get rid of some of the most offensive lines you can try and update the sensibility but it is a work from a different era and you cannot completely divorce it from the era.
1: Yes. Yeah. that And that is the big thing. I don't think you should try to erase the indigenous characters from the show to outright, you know, try to exonerate what the original interpretations of the thing might have been. It's just like, you know, there's some bum stuff here or there that I wonder if, you know, Given that other 20 years, I don't know,
0: did Encores revise it even further at all? That would be interesting to find out, I couldn't yeah. tell you.
1: I'd, I'd be curious to know. Because uh, 2015, not perfect, but I'm sure had an idea of where to go there at that point. Uh, that being said, besides, you know, the politics of this book, um, I found this pretty well-structured. Like, it's a pretty tight musical, well, not tight as in, like, snappy, for sure. I, there was a point I was very much looking at the screen and going, oh, okay, another 40 minutes, gotcha. Um, but, you know, I, I'd say it's a pretty airtight plot. And I think it actually, you know, for a musical from the 40s, does a very good job of establishing character.
0: Yeah. Well, and Peter Stone is one of the legendary book writers of all time. He did, when he did interviews about Annie Gitchigan, he said it was a well-structured show to begin with, so it was hard to revise, and then you had to contend with what the estates wanted and what the estates were going to allow. He, He admitted that the show was horribly racist, even though it was perfectly structured. And he did some interesting changes. There's No Business Like Show Business was not a framing device in the original. No, absolutely not. Yeah, it just happened in the middle of Act One. I thought it was decently structured. It did establish character. It was entertaining. I thought it did what shows from that era need to do in a modern context, which is move from song to song relatively painlessly. And keep you entertained in between.
1: Yeah. And it's, a f- and it's a pretty funny book, too. Mm-hmm. You know, beyond just entertaining. It's, you know, well-written. Outright. Flows well. Holds your attention.
0: I did occasionally find myself sort of getting lost in some of the sort of subplot lines... It gets messy when we don't have money. We don't have money. Why do you not have money? Why do you not have money? Let's join. Let's do this. Gotta get the money. And it's not... It's it's a love story, and it's not where you think finance is going to come in, you know? Yeah, true. So that gets pretty convoluted. Not convoluted, but you're not given as many details to fully follow that as you want to. You have to be very careful when dealing with finances talking about finances in a musical something like the visit where that's the entire point or grand hotel money was the entire point of that show that's yes it was that's fine having a money subplot where are we landing you know
1: yeah it it tends to mostly just be we don't have enough
0: of it Mm mm-hmm but I thought you were on a successful tour. We've seen a successful tour. And so yeah. then you have to explain why they don't have money. And, and that can get bogged down. Luckily, it doesn't bog this down too much. Yeah, it uh, it, it doesn't bog down as much as it just sort of comes and goes. Mm-hmm.
1: Which, you know, better that than the alternative. Yeah, and then there's also, I don't know, the subplot with the daughter running away with the the half Irish man
0: half Irish, half Native American Yeah, and that was something that was cut from the revival in the 1960s so this was hmm. a show that they had been reviv- revising reviving and revising from early on mm-hmm. they cut that entire subplot from the 60s revival they added it back here and I think It's good to add a character that is an actual character when you're doing something less kosher with the Native Americans. Yes. And, like, there was a racist character that was meant to be racist. I think you have to show that because you can't create this world and then act like racism didn't exist. Yes. I thought the subplot worked. They didn't have as many score moments as I thought they were going to have. Score moments?
1: As in, like, you know, like, they didn't have plot points in the score dedicated to them?
0: They didn't. They had the one song, really. Right? So that may that might be a
1: large part of why it didn't feel like it mattered so much. They did have that one song in the ballroom in the second act. That was pretty much it, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. They had so maybe an that's interlude, why, that, kind that's probably of. a big part of it. They had an interlude in a different scene. Yeah. I
1: that's probably why it felt so touch and go for me, because it didn't actually have any bearing on the score, which, you know, mm-hmm. so much of why we're coming to Any Get Your Gun is the score.
0: Right, and it is a musical. If you're going to make an impression, <laughs> you gotta. Yeah. It, it's very hard to make an impression and not have any songs.
1: I wonder if there were more songs uh, in the original.
0: I'm sure there were.
1: Yeah, well, I, I know.
0: I- I know there was an end of act one song that was cut because Ethel Merman thought it was going to be too hard considering the rest of the show. Makes sense. She knew how to pace herself. She knew exactly what she was giving an audience and what she needed from the composer. I uh, Reportedly, she had her high note negotiated into all of her contracts. This is the high note I will be singing. This is the amount of time you can hit that high note. Per show smart she knew exactly what she needed to give can you blame her no no because she was incredibly accurate with those audiences and gave them exactly what they were coming for
1: yeah she's uh what what was the phrase it's like a frozen uh, There was a phrase about her being call frozen. me miss
0: bird's eye the show is frozen that's friendly yes. and you Get your gun <laughs> that is from Annie Get Your Gun. Richard Rogers was constantly giving her notes out of town. Constantly giving her notes out of town. We have changes. We have changes here. I have notes. I have notes. I have notes here. And one day, while they were out of town in previews, Richard Rogers comes and knocking at the door. Ethel, I have changes to make. She yelled back at him. Call me Miss Birdseye. The show's frozen. <laughs> she was done. Um... Yeah, overall, I enjoy this book. You know, a final note, now that I'm thinking about it with the score. There was a song added here that was not in the original production. Guess which song it was. Don't look it up.
1: My defenses are down.
0: Nope. Just kidding. Um, I don't know. It was Old Fashioned Wedding. sense it was old-fashioned wedding they added it in the 60s revival for cool. ethel merman um what well, did 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 uh irving write it yeah for the production yeah okay. yeah he did he was still he, he lived for I, I didn't know 80s. if they it was just
1: from the i didn't know if they just took it out of the trunk or whatever
0: he wrote it for the specific revival it's one of the few added songs you get a lot of musicals that start adding songs later from a movie or something and the songs don't make sense with the rest of the score unless you're told you can't really pick out which song was added here so it's nice that he was able to revisit and add and it feels of a piece
1: yeah it it does I, i i think maybe the thing that like was like, oh yeah, that makes sense, is that it feels even a bit more evolved from the rest. Not in a way that sa- that makes it feel like, oh, it's transcending the show, but it feels like it's a bit more advanced than the rest of the score while still feeling, like, pretty homey.
0: Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. And overall, the writing on Annie Your Gun in a sentence or two.
1: Um, a lovely... Night at the Theater, if you can stomach the 40s.
0: Yeah, I think it's a terrific score. The book facilitates the score well. It's a very conservative 1940s. And if you're okay with that, you're going to have a great time. It's a very
1: strong piece of musical theater writing. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Good. Well, let's move on to this production. Right. Uh, helmed by Graziella Danielle. Graziella Danielle. This was a point that I kept making in text to you. Yes. I was surprised. This is. It seems like a very expensive revival. Mm hmm. Um, Bernadette Peters is a star, but she's a theater star. There's right. nothing wrong with being a theater star, but I was just saying, economically, this revival would not happen today. You wouldn't get this budget mm-hmm. in a commercial production. You might get it at Lincoln Center. You might get it at a non You wouldn't get this budget at a for-profit theater without having a massive star and Scott Rudin is um, not producing because he stepped back. And everyone buys that.
1: Yeah. It's a glamorous production. Like, like as far as you could possibly make sort of southern dirt field charm glamorous, this is, I can't imagine how
0: you do better than this. I, did, I, I said I didn't know if I was going to like this. What it was that tent started going up at the beginning I was like oh I think I'm in love and I don't even know why but it was just such a visual stroke at the beginning that it was listen
1: I utterly fucking adored the framing device I utterly adored the framing device and I love when shows do this framing device especially when it's like dramaturgically well thought out as I think this was
0: Is this about the lighting rig?
1: Though at the top, so you have the curtain, guy comes out and he like opens the thing with the, shut the fuck up. He opens the thing with like a hand crank. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. We are like going full on 1860s with this. And then you open it up and it's like, you see the tent and you see the band to the side. And you see, like, the structure. And you see this extremely modern, high-tech lighting rig. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it's not like a, oh, this is like a placeholder for something else. Oh, this is designed to look... No, it's just like a regular, modern, expensive lighting rig. And then it goes up, and that indicates the show's beginning. I'm like, okay, so, wait, is this like a... So are these contemporary performers acting out the 1860s? Or is this meant to be like an 1860s recreation, but there's just suddenly fucking high-tech technology? And, like, there was also a turntable that elevated and went around, and I was like, gorgeous, I love you, but also, like, what are we doing here? I I, I really couldn't tell what it was going for in that sense. And after about, like, 40 minutes, I stopped caring. But it... It bothered me considerably.
0: Suspension of disbelief, Joshi.
1: Fucking sure, to an extent. Don't do the hang crank on the outside then. Decide if you're going, yeah, we're going to do the 1800s, or yeah, we're not going to do the 1800s. At least have some coherency.
0: That seems a nitpick.
1: I, it seemed pretty fucking blatant to me. It's not like it was a very well hidden. It seemed like it was a very conscious decision that I'm trying to wrap my head around.
0: Uh, they it had it lights. Like it was not a conscious decision to you. They had lights. They had a lighting rig at the top. Good for them. You they had a, turntable. a lighting rig. They had a turntable. You know what else? You know what else is going to be shocking? They were miked. Oh my god. What? They, and were they didn't mic'd? make such a big
1: fucking stink about the fact that they were miked either, did they? I don't know, we didn't didn't hear the sound
0: design in the house. They (laughs) might (laughs) have. I didn't see it, therefore. I I didn't think that was as big a deal as you thought it was. I thought this was an A-plus production of "Fanny Get Your Gun.
1: Oh, me too. Oh, me too. This is an A-plus production of fucking any musical. Like, this is truly just devastatingly,
0: painstakingly gorgeous it like looked pretty perfectly put together yeah
1: genuinely that single note i think is probably the piece of negative criticism Mm. i have about this production
0: Uh, the choreography was great although i think it was my defenses are down i was like what are these chorus boys doing okay i think i buy Uh, it by by then i gave by then i gave up by then i was like oh this is hilarious the production kept the show moving. It was visually interesting. I liked that they had the band on stage. I didn't always like when they put the band on stage. But they did it in a non-intrusive way. And they're at the fucking Hotel Theater. They're at Hotel they're Theater. They're at the Marquis. Sorry. The Marquis. Hotel Theater. They're at Hotel that Theater. That was one of the
1: first things I ever and heard you say uh, in person. It's true. True. Us standing outside of Hotel Theater where we decided to meet. Hotel Hotel Theater. Um, we went.
0: To he ho- said, "Look, Joshi Hotel Theater. It was very fun." <laughs> um. Yeah, we went into Hotel Theater, and first thing you learn the from this stage from the video of this is, like, is fucking huge. It is a fucking pool. Yeah, like stage is way too wide. Stage is like could, massively yeah. wide,
1: and yes, you could. You could build an entire fucking YMCA on the deck of the stage there.
0: Well, part of the reason why I bring this up, and we don't need to get into Funny Girl very much, but a lot of people said Funny Girl looked like a summer stock production and it kind of did but it looks like a very high-end summer stock production and if you go see summer stock nowadays it's all projections like the level of summer stock has gone down considerably on production values and yeah you're gonna end up with a summer stock production on broadway and it's going to cost a million dollars this is also why i brought up financially this production would not happen nowadays um never never uh, this is too expensive to do a lot of what was pointed out, too, is that Michael Mayer kind of was only using a small section of the stage and blocked off sections of the stage. This did, too. This did, yeah. too. They really used yes. the center playing space and what was right in front of the center playing space. But it worked because they put the orchestra on the one side and it's still a massive stage. They still had a massive amount of playing space in there. Uh. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, Annie's talking about not being able to read, and I thought this is the perfect part for Liam and Michelle.
1: No, mo, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I couldn't stop you from that one. No, no, you couldn't. Um, and I don't know why I try.
0: Oh, well, well, you had previously mentioned the music arrangements. Why don't we start there with the production?
1: Yeah, sure, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is... Uh, well, th- this revival does a bunch of interesting things with the score. We already talked about, you know, how. I guess it's more of a book thing, but we already talked about the replacement of There's No Business Like Show Business. Uh, but then you've got numbers like uh, I've Got the Sun and My Defenses Are Down, which are totally rearranged to be like very brisk, contemporary rejigs of what the songs originally were. I always think of something like Once in a While from that production of Rocky Horror we watched, you know? Where it's like you take the original material and you do something completely fucking brand new with it and make a whole different meal out of it that was never there before. Um, And that's very much what's happening here. It's sort of like the song is what the song is. Maybe normally it can drag the show a little bit. Maybe it could be a little bit more uninteresting. And so you make a little bit of a fucking meal out of that number.
0: Um, Anytime I see an Irving Berlin musical, I too think of Rocky Hara. And. The through lines are way more blatant than you'd expect them to be. You just need to know where to look.
1: I mean, you know, come on. You can't get a man with a gun? Play that backwards. It's just sweet transvestite. Oh, God. Anyway. Um. <laughs> What I'm getting at here is the I'll take a second specifically to highlight my defenses are down, which sure. has turned into a like steam heat burlesque number, which I couldn't love more. Just like full of just like this tss, 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 tss energy, uh, and I fucking loved it. It was random and kind of out of nowhere, and extremely enjoyable. And I loved it so much. I genuinely don't have any actual dramaturgical thoughts about this. Mostly because I don't necessarily know if there were any applied to it. It's just a great moment. And you know what? Fucking love a great moment in a musical. Well,
0: it's something like I Got the Sun in the Morning. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward in the original and in the revival. And you see how they build it in... To yeah. a showstopper here, and you have the whole um, country fiddle playing. And pretty soon it's like they're all feet stomping. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. And there's a lot of impressive. stomping in this production. Well, it's some of the more country moments that wasn't something in the original score there were shades of but they really added some of that to make it more seemingly authentic and yeah there's a lot of stomping but when you think about choreography and what dancing these characters would have done true that's it they're doing a little hootenannies that's it well and also visually this is more choreography but visually to see Annie starting the song in her own world. I thought that was rather terrific. Everyone's frozen. Annie is moving through them. The turntable is churning, and she's walking through all of these people. Yeah, we love a turntable. Well, I thought that was visually cracking. And then by the end, they're all dancing and she's... Cracking. I thought it was cracking. Um, It's a cracking moment from Annie Get Your Gun. It was a cracking moment. It's just... It, Graziella Danielle knows how to build a showstopper. Hell yeah. It, um, there's great choreography, really, throughout the entire production.
1: It is majestically choreographed. You, you you can tell when you have a director who is a choreographer that you're going to get a, an extremely thorough visual picture mm-hmm. from a production. What is it about the director choreographers that n- just know how to make a stage feel like a painting
0: well a lot of them started as choreographers and they inherently know about the body and movement mm. and so it's not only the body and movement they're choreographing the set this right. show yes maybe stop twice and when I say stopped, I mean like a full blackout. We're changing the set. I, you yes. think about that train. I think that was the first big change that we had. There was a train set that came out. And you watched the train set come on to music. And it was like timed with the music. It was interesting to watch. And yeah. The book and it's also, it you know, moving. well tied into the production's premise. Mm-hmm. The book kept everything moving. And the production really kept everything moving. It was yeah. it was so easy to watch. And musical theater is not musical. Musical theater sometimes. Yeah. Usually you're sitting there like, oh Jesus, who paced this show? Let's pick up the pace. Okay, now you're going too fast. Slow down. You have a million different notes, if you're like me, that come up in your head. This I didn't have a million notes. And it wasn't that I wasn't thinking about things because I was thinking about things because I noticed a lot of the sexism throughout the story that was covert and kind of hidden that they tried to hide more. Um, I didn't have many production notes, but it was also easily watchable and easily digestible and well done. Yeah.
1: It. Uh, I don't have many notes. I just have heaps of compliments Mm -hmm. um fuck you for putting a trapeze act at the end of the first act holy shit um like what the fuck whoa um that was jaw dropping like i couldn't have fucking foreseen that um
0: what and yeah yeah it always knows you need to make some kind of visual flourish to keep the audience entertained it is always flourished. It is always... That's kind of what you have to do with musicals
1: of, you know, the pre-Golden Age. You sort of have to impose something stimulating upon it to make it really an enjoyable experience through and through. Uh, Fucking did that. That's for damn sure. Well, impose, um,
0: but if you impose too much, you're going to force things. And this never felt forced. Yeah. Never.
1: Yeah, I, I I thought it was devastatingly gorgeous, incredibly paced, constantly busy, and never you know, it it shoots for the for the moon and hits the goddamn moon. Like that's that's exactly what this production does. It is so bombastic and large and glorious and it always works.
0: Mm-hmm something like the girl there's a little reprise of the girl that i married before you can't get a man with a gun and yes. it's something very small it was not there originally in the, in, in the original production it was something that was added to the survival mm-hmm. knowing that you're going to make the piece stronger by putting that reprise there and to visually put a dancer with a parasol this ultra feminine thing so then you have a visual contrast that launches directly into the number and heightens the hilarity of it it works yeah it just it it works and graziella Danielle is innately theatrical she knows how a musical should move she knows how to keep you interested just, it's prowess. Yeah, it, it all looked tasteful too. The design just looked tasteful. Totally. Yeah, I I was totally floored with how
1: excellent this production was. And like shit, after this I am running through the Graziella catalog. Like I like I want to see the mind stretch far
0: and above this and to, Well, we've talked the, about oh, her before, her work. Of course, yeah. As a choreographer. Yes. When did we talk about her? Tell listener. Was that Grand Hotel? No, fucking Tommy
1: Tune. what the fuck? Oh God. <gasps> Can you see what my time <gasps> oh!
0: <laughs> oh! I saved myself. I saved myself. Oh, oh thank God you did. <laughs> thank God um, you
1: did. What am I thinking of? What am I thinking of? What am I it was in the eighties? Yes.
0: What? Rink. No. This show was THE Rink. Okay, fucking, you had me scared for a moment there. I... <laughs> 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 yes, she was the choreographer right? for The Rink. And we, we did yes. very highly compliment her choreography there. Oh, Dude, yeah. got to fly, baby,
1: right out and, I swear too, we said something about her in Follies, but I can't. She re- was, she was in the original cast. Bennett? Word. Did she? Did she work with Michael Bennett at some point? Yes, what, she what, was.
0: On... She was an assistant for Michael Bennett in Follies on the original Follies. Cool. Yeah. Okay. That's hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Word. Anyway, great work. It's one of the more enjoyable productions of a musical I've seen in some time. Oh yeah absolutely just utter bombastic glee and you know i don't know recently i've been thinking you get out of new york I, I, i've been going to a lot of summer stock recently and you get out of new york and i am convinced no one knows how to fucking direct a musical anymore uh i am so convinced that it's only about 10 people in new york that actually know how to direct a musical this was so well directed <laughs> And it was like, yes, "Yes, this is, there is a standard. I don't have too high standards. This exists. (laughs) Good fucking stuff. You love to see it. And moving on from the production. So we're going to move on to these performers, eh? Why not?
1: I'll kind of let you steer the ship here. There's two (laughs) Two people people. I want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's talk about Brent Barrett.
0: Brett Barrett as Frank, what's his name? Frank Butler. Butler. Vatican. Not Frank Vatican. (laughs) Jesus. Frank Vatican and Annie Get Your Gun, my God. (laughs) Uh,
1: Frank Vatican doing the book for Annie (laughs) Get (laughs) Your Gun. That's a spring awakening joke for those who are not in the loop.
0: (laughs) We don't need to see Annie learn to masturbate.
1: Well, I don't know. Um,
0: Ethel Brent Merman. Barrett. You want to see Ethel Merman do that? Oh, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so, Brent Barrett, who I sort of know... Who I sort of am most familiar with as um not David Carroll. Um, I, this is my first time seeing him sort of perform...
0: In a production. And I thought it was great. It was terrific. He has a million dollar voice. Oh yeah. Which is used to great effect here.
1: Oh yeah. No. He sounds fucking glorious always. I would say he also kept himself very nicely afloat with the acting as well.
0: Yeah. He acted it very well. Um, Established character. Hmm. Kept with the character, he wasn't. He's playing an asshole, but he didn't come off like an asshole. Like, yeah. There's some yeah. times where you're just like, okay, you're overdoing the bad guy thing a little too much, you know? Totally.
1: It's people play thankless characters very thanklessly sometimes. Hmm. And that was not the case here. He's like too charming for his own good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works for the character, and it actually makes him a lot more palatable. It makes it it makes it make a lot more sense why him and Annie are a thing. Whereas, you know, with someone with less prowess, the grodiness of that egotistical nature might be a lot more present, a lot more intolerable. Great job!
0: Great job. Um, he was a replacement and he didn't feel like a replacement. I if you told me he originated. Yeah, no, the I role, did mess I, I messaged you asking if he originated. Yeah. He seemed like he probably could have originated. Well, and he had done a tour of Annie Get Your Gun before this revival with Kathy Rigby.
1: Is that so? Yep. <laughs> cool. And then obviously the the one worth talking about here very clearly buffalo bill um conrad john shuck <laughs> is that true yes is that their name
0: conrad okay. john shuck who was one of the daddy Warbuckses in Annie. i believe he was the longest running daddy warbucks for many years many cool years. hey reba mcintyre's broadway debut huh reba mcintyre who Annie the Oakley. fuck
1: would have thought who would have thought? She, had, she hadn't done the big sitcom by then, had she? I don't believe so. That was like... I think she actually did that sitcom immediately after, after Annie.
0: Mm-hmm. I know, Which is wild. I know they had discussed putting Annie Get Your Gun making a TV movie of it with her after she finished. and it. Fell oh, through. that would have been great. Yeah, it fell through for some reason. But... She's really terrific here. And it's one of those performances that you had heard. Oh, she was so great. Oh, she should have gotten a replacement Tony. Oh, they considered adding a replacement Tony for her. Oh, it's such a terrific performance. Great, 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 great. And you're kind of... I'm sure she's lovely, but really? Does it live up to that hype? Well, it does. It actually does live up to that It hype. actually does. Mm-hmm. It's a stunning performance it's pretty much a revelation i kept thinking watching her in the show because the production was easy to watch the show was easy to watch she's very natural on stage it feels like the role was almost written for her i was having a hard time picturing ethel merman in the role at some points jesus honestly wow that's a big thing Honestly, it, it just some of it seems so natural to her. Like it was coming out of her. Well, that's um, a thing. That's a big natives, thing. Um, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a thing. I um y- y- you watch this production, you could very easily tell. In my opinion, you can very easily tell that this was a production built around Bernadette Peters. Like I could totally see like all the bits falling into place around her. And what's so brilliant about Reba is that she is not taking any of the movements that Bernadette Peters would have made. And instead, she is like so, not defiant, but she's like so sure-footed in what her portrayal of this character is that... It doesn't feel like it's an obstruction. It doesn't feel like she's wearing someone else's shoes. It just feels like, yeah, this was structured around Bernadette, and it works fucking perfect for Reba. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not falling into the line. She's not doing Bernadette Peters' character of Annie Oakley. I don't think she could. Annie Oakley. No, she couldn't. And she <laughs> shouldn't, and she didn't, yeah. and it's perfect.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, she did use one merman bit, though. What's and that? It's when f- she first sees Frank and its jaw completely drops to the ground. Uh huh. And we know that this is in Merman Bit because after a performance of Gypsy, Helena Weigele came backstage and she said, Bertolt Brecht and I saw you in Annie Getchokan. And your moment <laughs> where you had the silent o oh when Frank walked on stitch, we decided this was terrific, and we reused it in Mutter Courage und ihr when Mutter Courage finds Katharine has died, and that has become my signature. Silent o oh scream, I have learned it from you and Bertolt Brecht. Sort. She was married to Bertolt Brecht. Bertolt thought that when Mother Courage come to America, the first American Mother Courage is Ethel Merman. That. Ethel Merman. I think I need a better understanding of what Mother Courage is, baby, Because everything I learn about it sort of breaks my brain a little Ethel bit more. Ethel Merman and Mother Courage. Could you imagine... I mean, th- there's three or four songs. She'd have the songs thrown out. I need better songs! By the time she's ending, it's just called Courage! And it's an all, all in out <laughs> the money! Have the money! Birdie! She Birdie! Becomes- I can't alienate my audience! I love my audience!
1: She famously becomes Mama Courage. Mama and-
0: Courage. <laughs> Mama's got the stuff, Mama's in a war, Mama's not depressed, Mama's on the move. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, but does she sing the mama on the upbeat or the downbeat?
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh my god oh, oh that was a was a nasty Nerman, sub, Julie
1: Stein from me. Mother <laughs> Courage
0: Courage uh, and, and that
1: shit and that shit would have gotten like a mid two thousands encore mounting, and it would have been fucking glorious. And Vicky I'm Clark. really sad that it didn't happen. <laughs> Vicky Clark, wow. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, Reba McIntyre is fucking incredible. I, I, we oh yeah, can Reba. Talk, <laughs> yeah, we can we can talk about how strong of an acting performance this was, and how comedically gifted she is. But, like, fuck me. Have you ever heard just, like, a more gorgeous, sort of, like, studio-perfect voice in a musical before? Like, studio-perfect is something that felt so fucking... I was boggled that I was hearing this voice come out live.
0: She... I'm not big on the country sound. I'll admit it. I don't, I do I don't don't like country music too much. I think Barbara Cook said a little twang goes a long way with me and I feel the same way. (laughs) She used it appropriately here. It was not overdone and I think she stretched her own capabilities of what she was able to accomplish. She has some gorgeous vocal moments where the voice is opening up in ways that are really beautiful. Specifically, I got lost in his arms. Yes, I, that that was enchanting. That was absolutely enchanting the way that she sang that.
1: It's not even like a she transcended herself with that song. It is a she used her herself to the best of it, of her capabilities. Mm-hmm. Like she uh she absolutely made the most of her own singing style and put it towards a fucking Irving Berlin romantic ballad. Well, but and... not
0: even that. There was another. She had the Ethel Merman appoggiatura on... I want a wedding. That's ya-dum. Yeah, yeah! She pulled yeah. that out of her ass. I want a... And, and that's like... <laughs> I'm the German Ethel Merman that's the Ethel Merman sound that everyone imitates she pulled it out of her ass she put it in It it seems completely natural coming out of her it's honoring the material as it is and she's bringing herself to the material I think that's really the performance she's honoring the material that is and also bringing herself and it's a very hard balance to strike and she makes it look like she's not even striking a balance she's doing it so easily
1: yeah it feels like such an effortless performance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so in her, and and like I think what's great about it too is that it doesn't feel like Reba's an actress. It doesn't feel like that. No. But she feels like a musician, a musician brackets comedian. You know what I mean? Like, that's what this
0: performance kind of feels like to understand. I wouldn't even even say that that it's necessarily a performance. She's just living on that stage.
1: Yeah, very much so. And I think because of the way that, like, you know, it is structured around Bernadette and because of, you know, all that, uh, there's, I don't know, like 10% of the humor that maybe doesn't land, especially in the first sort of like 20 minutes or whatever. Everything else fucking all cylinders like it never feels like a blip or anything she's moving too fast and she is just feeling too fucking real for you to even clock that like oh there probably was meant to be a laugh here you're just like Mm -hmm. captivated by like that's just her isn't it (laughs)
0: like it's really interesting and you had texted me and said how much did they change for her vocally they didn't they didn't she's singing the Bernadette Peter's arrangements Yeah. (laughs) And yet, it seems like, oh yeah, they completely tailored the entire score to her. (laughs) No, she just seems at home no matter where you put her. God, that's fucking incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. As far as Reba as an actress, I do think she's a natural comedian, as you said. I do think she can act. She certainly can establish a character. I don't know if her talents are as malleable as some of these casting suggestions you've seen her name come up with over the years. And I mean, every revival, her name seems to be mentioned. Oh, Reba should do Mame. Oh, Reba should do Hello, Dolly. Reba should do this. Reba should do that. And I do think she should Mm. come back to Broadway. Mm Mm-hmm but I, it's
1: about finding the right material it's for her. finding the right it's material not as if to say yeah. it's not as if to say like oh okay you need to scour to find something that like she can maybe pull off no she's a highly capable but it's just that you know you can't fucking put her in light in the piazza you know mm. like You have to think of what is the right material for her.
0: While she is a great actress I don't know if she's able to play things that are far removed from herself. And I don't know if I'd be as captivated if she was sitting there with a three minute dramatic monologue. Yeah. You know?
1: Yes, absolutely. Anyway. uh, Reba is fucking great. And I was happy to learn that they uh, recorded a couple of the songs for a sampler uh, while she was in the production. They
0: did a sampler. I know a lot of people wanted a full cast album. I don't know why that never happened. Yeah, I am kind of surprised, especially with... Actually, two. I think it didn't happen because they thought they were going to get the entire score when they did it on TV. And they, that fell yeah, through. no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes
1: sense. I am at least very happy that they got what are easily Reba's two best songs, "Uh, Gun and Arms."
0: Yeah. Mhm. Terrific which, songs. She's which saying it me. like
1: that makes me think there's a little thematic. Gun arms. <laughs> this brings us to the video. You know. I, th- I I it works very well. It works very
0: well. It works very well for what it is. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah.
1: It seems uh, like it was a bit of a... Honestly, you can kind of tell... You can you can feel the effort present in the video here. You can tell that this taper was really trying to do their best. There's very clearly an obstruction of a bar in the front row of the mezzanine, which they were sitting in. And then exposure is also a problem. And those are really the two things affecting what would have been like a pretty perfect production capture, which is to say that it has a very good sense of when to get the full picture of the stage, when would be a good time to zoom into the actor's face, which when they do zoom into the actor's face, then you do get the detail. Um,
0: Some of the time. Some of the times.
1: A, a lot of the time. A lot of the time. Uh, a lot of the Reeva solos, particularly. Um, and then every now and then I got to see, oh, Brett Barrett has a mustache. Uh, it's still not the easiest to watch with those things at hand. I, I, I think that the, those couple limitations do make it not an explicitly easy watch, which is why I think I'll give it a B plus mostly just because, cause I wouldn't outright say it's an A minus. I don't know. What do you, you, you liked this video.
0: I liked it a lot. I think it really captured the production well. They are in, the, I think, the very front row of the mezzanine. Right in the yeah. center, too. Like, Which would have been a great seat. It, it's a perfect seat to view the show from. Yes. And there is the bar in the way at moments. You really lose a lot of facial detail a lot of the time. But what they do get is... Most of the full stage a lot of times, and most of the full stage without feeling completely removed from things and a million miles away. It captures the production rather beautifully, and you do get hints of facial detail. I think it's a B, but a very watchable B.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I I didn't know if B-plus was too harsh or anything, but, like, yeah, I... It's not an A.
0: Yeah. It's not an A because you lose too much facial detail.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, but I would give it a plus because I think, like, watching it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's, like, steady, and I'm getting the full
0: thing. Very steady. It's not
1: easy, but, but like, you know, the, the the plus is for genuinely great effort. Like, that's what I took away from this. Um, yeah, I, I'm giving it a B plus.
0: I think it's insanely watchable. It's a good video. And it is what is publicly available. There's other clips from private people that Mm -hmm. um, share clips, but not full videos. Um, This one specifically that we watched. Yeah, it's what exists, and what exists is decent quality. More watchable than not, and it's a B for for me.
1: Would you say the same about Get Your Gun? More watchable than not? (laughs)
0: Yeah, sure. I would say <laughs> the experience of watching this production of Annie Get Your Gun was an A. Mm-hmm. And I'd say Annie Get Your Gun is a B, B- show.
1: Yeah, agreed. I am actually
0: going to 100% th- agree with you on that. I'd say the score is A+. The show just... I don't know. It, it, it's It's from a different time. I can accept it's from a different time. But it doesn't make it... Easy to watch now.
1: Yep. I I concur exactly. Yes.
0: Well, that's our episode of Annie. Get your gun.
1: And you know what, folks? The end of the day, that gun, done, gun, got.
0: They done got the gun. The, the, dun they, dun 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 gun they done dun dun. they
1: done gun that gun gun. Oh. Uh. Yep. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to this episode. Uh, this next one is going to be a pretty special one. We are going to be talking about one of the most important musicals in my life. Uh your And life. that musical. I, I, I'm sure in yours as well. All I, I can say for goddamn sure, it's maybe the most important in my
0: life. Um, what did it give you? Gave me many things. Things, not people.
1: People, too. I cannot divide my feelings up as neatly as you. And I am not hiding behind my canvas. I am living in it.
0: I am not hiding behind my podcast. I am living in it. There I go, I fixed it. What you care for is yourself.
1: I care for this podcast. You are on this podcast. I have
0: something you can use. I have thought you understood. No, it's, it's because I left. I am leaving...
1: Then then there's nothing I can say is there.
0: Yes, Josh, there is. You could tell me not to go. Say it to me. Tell me not to go. I won't.
1: You can... Doors open if you'd
0: like. Tell me that you're hurt. Tell me you're relieved.
1: I... Tell me that
0: you're you're bored. Well... Anything. But don't assume they know. Tell them about next week.
1: About next week, you know exactly what's next week. Why do you insist I must say the show when it's pretty clear? What the goddamn show? Fucking Sunday in the Park with George.
0: <laughs> Join us next week, all oh, everybody. It's gonna be a wild uh, one. We
1: listen, folks. This is gonna be a rough one uh, <laughs> rough because ones, I have so ones. many thoughts about this musical, and we are going to be watching. <laughs> a version oh. of this musical that I've never seen. I've
0: never seen it either.
1: Yeah, we are going to be talking about the first Broadway revival. This was the 2006 production that started uh, at the Menier Chocolate Factory. And it was um,
0: 2008 when it came to Broadway.
1: Yes, right. And that's right. what we're 2006 talking about. on the about. cast recording. We're talking about the Broadway well, that's transfer. not the Broadway yes, cast
0: recording, darling. That's the London... It's not, because...
1: You know what's uh, going on in that cast recording? They sing the dog song in Scottish. It's a lot to take in. Oh, no. No, I like it so much. Really? (laughs) So
0: much. But what's a Scottish Um, dog doing in France?
1: What are British people doing in France?
0: Yeah, but that has no standards.
1: Are you saying Sunday in the Park with George's no, with standards? Uh, no, you're talking wow. about Les Mis. You're talking about wow. Les Mis. You're talking about
0: Les Mis, right? Wow. That's the one that everyone... Oh, what are wow. British people doing in France? Wow! you wow. Don't you put words into my mouth!
1: <laughs> but it's so fun!
0: I know it's fun, but it's not good.
1: Well, whatever. Folks. Yeah. Oh, is this just the most important episode we've done? Uh, like...
0: Well, great, great. Way to lower their expectations so that we can come in with a surpriser.
1: (laughs) Fucking tune in or die. Fantastic. Um,
0: We're going to have to spin gold next week somehow. Not next week, two weeks from now. We're on a bi-weekly schedule. First time I've ever tried bi. Uh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh All right, that's it for us tonight. Uh, You're going to
1: have to tune into the next episode, folks, because as far as this one goes, I've nothing to say.
0: You have many things.
1: Well, nothing that's not been said.
0: Said by you, though, Josh. I do
1: not know where to go. (laughs) I want to make things that count, things that will be new. I did what I had to do. What am I to do?
0: Move on. If you enjoyed the episode, rate us, review us, and subscribe to us on your platform of choice.
1: And if you have any recommendations, questions, or virtual flowers to send our way, email us at unccpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
0: The Unauthorized Critics Circle podcast is unauthorized. Podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only.
1: Annie, getcha gun!
0: And all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyright of the respective trademark and copyright holders. The Unauthorized Critics Circle cannot help listener locate or distribute recordings discussed herein.